The truth is, long before you were born, God started blessing you. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you start reading at verse 26, you would notice that before God ever made Adam, before he ever made man, before he ever made Eve, he prepared all that they would need once he made them. His intention was never for Adam to come into this world and have to eat by the sweat of his brow. He never had to mine. He never had to farm. He didn't want him to invest. He didn't want him to, to purchase nor sell in order to make a living. God provided for him everything he would need before he made him. I mean, the trees were there with all the fruits on them. All the lovely fruits, apples, Haitian mangoes, ripe bananas, they were all there before Adam was made. He decorated his universe with animals for pets and companionship. God provided water. He provided light. He provided a beautiful home called the Eden home. I would love to live in Eden. Long before he made Adam, he provided for him. And before you were created, before you were born, God provided for you. How about your parents? Would you be here had it not been for your parents? I don't think so. God made them healthy so that they could reproduce you. And that too is a blessing that we often overlook. You were born normal. You were born intelligent. You were born with the capability and the ability and the availability. Everything that you needed was here before you were born. God does not just want to take from us. No, his greatest delight is to give to us. He wants to bless us. And it doesn't matter whether or not we give to him. Or we don't give to him. He still loves us and cares for us. And wants to bless us. It would be better though. If we are grateful enough to respond to his blessings. But it is still not the reason if we don't return for him not to bless us. That's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. And you know, Adam and Eve messed up God's original plan. They gave in to the lie that the devil brought to them. The devil was envious. He was covetous of the blessings that Adam and Eve were enjoying. And he came to deceive them because one of the blessings that God gave to man was to have dominion over all other creatures. And that's the position the devil wanted. He envied. He wanted to be large and in charge. He wanted to be the one that commanded. And he noticed that Adam and Eve had that blessing and he didn't have it. And he wanted to take it. And somehow he succeeded as he deceived the first pair of people. And you know the results. Today we are seeing the results everywhere. God blessed Adam as he has blessed us with life, with fresh air, oxygen, with food, water, a beautiful home. God has blessed us with pets. The only major blessing that Adam had to wait for was the best one. And all men that are well-intentioned, according to God's will, also wait for this blessing. And it is a godly wife. 
When God finally brought that blessing to Adam, he could not believe. The Bible said that when his eyes were opened and he saw this beautiful creature, he, he said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I could hear Adam shouting glory, hallelujah, praise God. Men, do you appreciate your wives as a blessing from God, the greatest of blessings? I hope you tell them how blessing, how blessed they are. And how special they are to you. And if you don't tell them, the neighbors will. Oh, I tell my wife all the time. And I mean it. I don't just say it because I want her to feel good. Ladies like to hear good things. And I learned that early in my marriage. And sometimes she says, enough is enough, is enough, is enough. I say it all the time. Oh, you're so beautiful. And I mean it. I mean it. The Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Yes, hallelujah. I thought I would hear more amens than that. Proverbs 18.22, he that findeth a good wife findeth a good thing. Hallelujah. That's a blessing. You know how, in, how many men around you are searching for that good thing? Some find something. But not such a good thing. And if yours is good. Give God thanks. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. When the enemy saw. How blessed Adam and Eve were. He was, in, he was intended on destroying. Their blessings. And somehow. He intruded in God's plan. And messed it up somehow. Yes. Satan coveted Adam's position and his possessions. In Genesis 1.26, God said to Adam, now you are in charge. And that was Satan's first problem. In Genesis 2, God said to Adam, all these are yours. Take them at your will. Enjoy them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And that was Satan's second problem. So Adam had the number one position. And he had complete possession of all God's blessings. When Adam and Eve gave in to that rascal, the devil. They lost everything. Except the second chance. That's the only thing they salvaged. But guess what? God was never turned off. His intention was to continue piling blessing upon blessing upon blessing. There's an old song that say, blessing after blessing keeps on following me. That was God's intention for man and for you. He never had utility bill to pay in the Garden of Eden. That was never God's plan. And it was not his plan for you to pay utility bills. Nor a mortgage. Nor student loans. In fact they wouldn't have existed in the first place. Had God's plan not been interrupted. That was his plan for all of us. To give and to give and to give and to continue giving. Thank you Jesus. And so when Adam and Eve lost. Much of God's. Many of God's blessings. And much of his, of his intended plan. God looked for somebody else and found a man by the name of Abraham. 
God was so insistent and consistent and persistent. He could not keep his blessings to himself. He wanted to always share them and give them and offer them. And so he would not stop until he found a man who would make the best use of them. And he found Abraham. In Genesis 12, the Bible says, And God found Abraham and said, Abraham, come with me to a place I will not tell you of. And I will bless you in many ways. Chief of which I shall multiply the nations and generations through you. You shall have children and children and children after children. And I will prosper you. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 13. That Abraham became a wealthy man. In gold and silver. In gold and silver. And in other possessions. In Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2. You can read it when you have time. Because Abraham's wealth was incalculable. He was the owner of an entire place. An entire Land of Mesopotamia, I think, in terms of um, being the, the major player. Abraham with his wife and Lot and all that he owned. For Abraham was very, very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Verse 2 of Genesis 13. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, I am blessing you under one condition. That these blessings I multiply you with, you will not keep to yourself, but you will find a way to disseminate them or share them, scatter them among all the nations. I just want you to be the channel or the conduit through which I will bless the others. And Abraham signed on. Was Abraham a generous man? Yes, he was. We can see it right there in his own family when he parted his wealth in two and gave half to his nephew. It was not even his biological child, his nephew Lot. He said, take this entire area and take these possessions with you. Stay by yourself and I stay by myself. We are too large to stay together. That was a kind man. And not only that, the Bible says that through it all, Abraham never forgot where his blessings came from. He never forgot in Genesis chapter 14. And when you read verse, verse um, Genesis 14 and verse 20, the Bible says that God, um, Abraham never forgot where his blessings came from. He remembered God with all his increase. He returned a tenth to God. Through the priest Melchizedek. Abraham chapter 14. So here in chapter, in chapter 13. The Bible says that in chapter 12. God called him and made a covenant of blessing with him. And in chapter 13. The Bible says that God made him a, a wealthy man. Let's say a millionaire man in livestock and gold and silver. He also had a bank account. He had money. It talks of him sharing his wealth. And in chapter 14 we see where he never forgot God. He returned a tenth of all his increase to God. On a regular basis, Sister White says, regularly as he increased, he would remember from whence his wealth came. Hallelujah. So there is a connection there. 
There is a connection. When God loves us, he blesses us. And when God blesses us, we recognize that he's the one blessing us. And not only do we recognize, but we also return to him and share with others. There is a connection there. And Abraham continued to bless and bless and bless. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible says that God made the same covenant he made with Abraham with the children of Israel, who were the seeds of Abraham. The Bible said that God made a covenant with Israel. And he said to them, Israel, if you obey me, I will bless you. I will protect you at night when you're sleeping. I will protect you when you go out. I will protect you when you come in. I will protect you in the fields. I will protect you at home. I will increase your possessions that you become the head and not the tail. You shall have so much that you will be able to lend and not need to borrow. You shall be great in all the earth, he said to Israel. God has always wanted to bless and bless and bless. Oh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Bible says that God even gives the power for us to get wealthy. And I don't think he's talking to everyone here. Because I don't think wealth is for everyone. I think God knows who can handle wealth. And he will always conduct them to gaining wealth. Some of us, if we were to get wealth, we would lose our prospect of the kingdom. Yes, wealth can build us and destroy us. There are some people that wealth is the worst thing to give to them. I know people who were godly when they were not wealthy. And who were godless when they became wealthy. The same man in the story here. Who gave all his ten dollars to God. I, I know people who would not give their two millions to God. I know people back home on the island where I grew up who used to walk five miles to church to prayer meeting in the early mornings. Walk up the hills and down the vales, across the river, through the valleys, the vales, until they got to church and they were faithful. And some of those people grew up and received blessings, a good career, good education, much wealth. And uh, they haven't been back to church. And now they don't even have to walk. There are three cars in the driveway. And the church is two blocks down the street and they don't show up. Now that they have it. For some people who are not consecrated, it's easy for them to give a little to God. But when it's time to give much to God, they struggle with that. God is not there to take from us. He wants to give to us. In 3 John verse 2, at the very end of the scripture almost, John says that God wishes above all things that we prosper and be in health. God wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be happy. And he wants us to do well. Economically speaking. It pains the heart of God to see his people suffering hunger and poverty and, and thirst and, and, and nakedness and shelterlessness. He, he doesn't want to see that. Is God blessing us today? Is God blessing me today? 
Yes, he's blessing me today. And my blessings come from God. You know, James chapter 1, I think verse 17 says, All good gifts come from the Father above, the Father of light. Hallelujah. God is the one blessing me. And, and my connection with God is, 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 is number one in my life. I love my family, I love my wife, I love my four children. By the way, we made three trips to our twins. But I love them all, but I love God best. And my, my stewardship is, is determined by my relationship with my God. If the Florida Conference should announce 2015 as a tithe and offering free year, I will still return God's portion. Even if the conference, the general conference of Seventh-day Adventists should say, we have enough money to do ministry. We have enough money to pay our bills. And 2015, you don't have to return tithe. You don't have to give your offering. We have enough. I will still return God's portion. Because it's not between me and the conference office. It's about the God who started blessing me before I was born. And continues to bless me. And even after I'm dead and gone. He will be preparing greater blessings for me. That's the God. That deserves my loyalty and my faithfulness. I wish I could demonstrate more faithfulness to God. Who treats me more than I deserve. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. But I am blessed. You know, they asked me to give finance seminars and money seminars. And I chuckle because you want people who have proven themselves. People who are qualified by their market shares and what they value to be able to speak from their experience. I am never qualified, monetarily speaking. But you're talking about God's blessings. I am qualified. I am blessed. I am blessed. Of nine children, I'm the only one that has been beyond high school. That has been to high school. I tried to help my last sister to high school and she didn't accept the challenge. She would have made it too. I came from a situation where I was predicted to die before my 20th birthday. They said, oh, he would do just like the others. And no one survived the culture then. You plant marijuana, you sell it, you get in trouble, you're shot, you're killed, and no one asks any question. You just disappear off the face of the earth. That's the setting I came up in. I shouldn't be here. But God was blessing me and I didn't know. He had a plan for my life. He snatched me as a branch from the burning. He said, Satan, you want to destroy him? I have a plan for him. It's been 32 years now and we're sharing the same experience of God's blessings. Hallelujah. God blesses us in many ways, not just in money form. By the way, you know, money is a blessing. Is the greed for money that would propel us to destroy others, to get it or get it dishonestly? That's the problem. Money is a blessing and if you don't like what you have, give it all to me and Brother Bond. We have a plan for it. The conference has a plan for it. Money is not a problem. People are a problem. 
and how they handle such blessing. As a matter of fact, the Bible has 31,000 verses of scripture. 500 talks about peace, about 500 talks about talk about salvation, another 500 talk about love. Over 2,173 talk about money or our material possessions. Jesus spoke 29 parables and two-thirds of those parables have to do with economic and, and, and material possessions. Money. So if this theme is so prominent in the Bible and in the ministry teachings of Jesus, it must have value to God. Nothing is wrong with money. God knew before he invented money and gave it as a blessing that it would be needed to help his work. Salvation is free, but it costs us to share the gospel. I can't drive up in Mr. Hess and fill my empty tank. And at the end I say, well, I'm going to do Bible studies. God bless you. Have a good day. He will call 911 on me. We have to pay for the gas. A guy cannot go to Andrews University and study for six years, eight years, and come out and, and, and owes $200,000 in student loan, and we give him a job, and at the end of the month we say, sorry, it's a voluntary service. No. The gospel is free, but it costs money to take the gospel to those who need it. And that's why God invested and invented God invented, rather, a financial plan to sustain his work. God knew long ago that there would be need for buildings where people could meet to worship God. He knew there would be need for instruments to, to spice up the worship service. He knew there would, need, there would exist need to have money to, to prepare lunch for the people, to, to have schools and establish health institutions. And so he established a financial plan. Found in Malachi chapter 3. The Bible says when you bring all the tithe into my storehouse. There will be meat enough. This meat is not referring to beef and steak and ribs. No. It's referring to resources. There will be resources enough. To take care of the needs of my house. Hallelujah. Without this financial plan. God's work would go bankrupt. He has no other hands. No other pockets, no other purses, but ours. Angels don't have a salary. They could not sustain the needs of the church. And if God cannot get his own people to respond to this need, he won't be able to get the people of the world to do it. Rocks and stones would have to cry out and get it done. And so God is saying, even though I'm blessing you and I want to bless you and my delight is to bless you. Whenever you're blessed, you are to remember that somebody else needs the blessing. And that's why you're going to share your blessing. God blesses us quantitatively and qualitatively. Unfortunately, society has trained us to see blessings only through monetary eyes. If I came here and said I'm blessed, I'm sure at the end of the service some people would see what kind of car I drive. They would follow me home and see what my house looks like. You just said that you were blessed. We want you to, to show it, show it, show it. 
We, we, we have come to think of blessings in monetary and material possessions. But brethren, let me tell you, the greatest blessings of life, money cannot buy them. Money cannot pay for the greatest blessings of life. How about life itself? Can you bring back someone from death to life by paying him out of death into life? I enjoyed the Sabbath school I was privileged to share in this morning. The teacher is well prepared. And he explained the state of death very well. But let me tell you this. Money cannot bring back a dead person to life. How about health? How about health? You know that even a wealthy person can go bankrupt overnight by one health condition? A brain surgery. Multiple brain surgery, neurosurgery can break you down and make you into a pauper overnight. But thanks to Almighty God, His mercies endure forever. And He saves us from a lot. Sometimes if you can't find something to thank Him for, find something that you miss to thank Him for. We were to be here two hours earlier. But for some reason the devil interrupted and we were held back for two hours. And while we approached I-10 from I-75, we saw a reason why God might have permitted the delay. Because a car was ripped up in pieces. We don't know someone might have died and we could have been that person if we had gotten there at that time two hours earlier. You never know, but sometimes God saves you from, from a lot. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. You didn't get here safely this morning. Because of your skillful driving. Thank God that there is a passage in the scripture. Like Psalm 34 and verse 7. Which says. And the angels of the Lord encamp round about them that fear him. And deliver them. The devil is after you brethren. 24-7 he doesn't like you. Because you are not his friend. He's after you. David says that he's sending fiery darts all the time. He's firing shots at you. And you don't even know because God's angels are grabbing each one. And keeping you safe. Hallelujah. Thank you for your protection Lord. I couldn't pay for it. Oh that alarm system you have at home. That can't keep you safe. That rifle you have under your pillow. That can't keep you safe. It is God who keeps you safe. And you couldn't pay for it. To have hope in uncertain times. Who can pay for hope? Some cannot cope. Because they have no hope. So they turn to dope. But we escape all that. Because we have God. Hallelujah. How about your family? How much would you charge for your family? How much would you purchase your family for? It's beyond price. Your lovely wife, your handsome husband, your beautiful children, your grandchildren. Have mercy, Lord. How much could you pay for those blessings? How about your career? That job that you enjoy, that pays you so well. You know how many people interviewed for that position? And some were better qualified than you. But God had your name printed on it. And you have that job. That promotion. You think it came from the devil? Left to him you would never be promoted. 
It came from God. In the book of Daniel, the Bible says that promotions come from God Almighty. God can do strange things. He brought a barefooted Hebrew boy from Jerusalem down into Babylon. That's a stranger. And strangers were treated like strangers are supposed to be treated when you don't have God. Not when you have God. When you don't have God. And that stranger became the prime minister in Babylonia. In a strange land where he was the stranger. He became the prime minister. Joseph became the chief of state in Egypt. And he was not an Egyptian. He surpassed all the Egyptians. God has strange ways of blessing his people. And no powers can keep God's blessings from you. When God is pouring his blessings upon you. How about your church family? Oh, it's valuable to have one. A family that can support you and surround you and pray for you and encourage you. When life is weighing heavily on you. Oh, what a blessing. Could you pay for that? How about eternal life? Can you pay for eternal life? If eternal life was for sale, how many of us would make it? Have you thought about the blessing of eternal life? Jesus says, I left everything up there and came to take your place so that you can have my place up there. It costs something, but you didn't have to pay it. It cost the life of the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for eternal life. How about godly neighbors, kind neighbors, who can greet you with a smile, who can watch your property when you have to go to Michigan and North Carolina? People who are nice. You know, there are some neighbors you would not wish to have. Lord, have mercy. Cantankerous, vicious. Thank God for all the blessings of life. And finally, how about the mansion in heaven? The last dream I had about my mansion with my name written on it. I saw nine bedrooms and seven bathrooms. And I didn't have to put a down payment on that property. And it's all mine. How could I pay for that? How could I pay for that? If I make it to heaven, what I lose upon this planet would be of no significance. I won't miss it. And that's what God intends for all of us. How will we respond to God's blessings? There are three ways to respond to God's blessings. There are many ways, but three ways according to today's study. The first way is found in Luke chapter 12. God blessed this man beyond his expectations. And you know what he did? He said, now I have enough. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry for the rest of my life. He didn't think of the people who worked for him. He did not think of the God who prospered him. He didn't think of the good weather. He didn't think of the pests and the pestilence that did not destroy his crop. The Bible says that he talked to himself and he thought to himself and he says, My soul, my soul, so much you have to eat and drink and be merry. That very night he heard a voice saying, You fool, 
You shall die before daylight. Now to whom shall all this wealth belong? That's one way to respond to God's blessings. Would you choose to respond that way to God's blessings? It's called selfishness. Lord, you have done so much to bless me. Must I think only of me, myself and I and no one else? There is a second way to respond to God's blessing. And it's found in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. Jesus himself says, freely you have received, freely you should share. One version says, freely you should give. But let me tell you, brethren, nothing is more joyful than to be able to share what you have. To see light come in the eyes of some people who had nothing. Just to give them a handout. I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean I should, I should be selective. I should be eclectic and say, I will share with you, but I won't share with you. If God were to assume that attitude, many of us would be left outside. Even people who will abuse my blessings. I still have a duty to share it with them. Let them account to God. I'm not going to deliberately participate in a sinful act. Like I know they are going to buy drugs and alcohol to hurt themselves and hurt society. I'm not going to say here is the money. Go buy yourself some Coors Light. No. Or some Corona. No. But I'm going to give them a little lecture and say please I hope you are buying food for your family. I hope you're buying medications for your sickness. I hope you're going to make good use of this money. If they want to take it and make bad use, now that's when they have to account to God for something. My duty is to give them with the right motive for a good purpose and leave it there. So we should not be selfish in response to God's blessings. We should share. And finally, in Matthew 23 and verse 21. This comes from Jesus himself. And to me this is the New Testament version of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Jesus says render to God whatever is God's. That came from Jesus himself. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Only that in this case we say to Obama. We usually refer to the president to represent the country or the system. Render to Obama what is that of Obama and render to God what is that of God. Hallelujah. That's Jesus' message to his people. Now Obama charges us more than 29% in some cases. God just charges us 10%. We have to pay Obama or we will go to the big house. And we expect not to pay Almighty God and not go to the big house. Now think about that. Think about that. I know that this message is not for anyone here. It is for me and for those who didn't make it today. But it's only fair that God says to us, if I bless you so much in so many ways, can you return some of those blessings in only one way? And seven years ago I had an epiphany. I had a wake-up call 
After being a pastor for 20 something years in the Adventist church. Faithful in returning to God. I mean regular. I wouldn't, no I, I can say it wasn't faithful. It was regular. I was consistent and I was regular. But seven years or so ago I was studying the issue of the tithe. When the conference asked me to be a stewardship director, it was like from nowhere. I've never been qualified for something like this. I started preparing myself, reading books, researching on the internet, reading books from John Maxwell and reading all kinds of stuff. And right there in the book of Malachi chapter 3, the Lord just shone a light upon a few verses there that I never thought of in all my life as a Christian, as an Adventist, as a pastor. That in Malachi chapter 3, where God says, bring me all the tithe. He didn't say bring the tithe. All the tithe into the storehouse. That, was, that is one request he is making. And in adjacent to that one request, he has made six promises. He says, Conrad, if you only bring me all the tithe into the storehouse, then I will, and I will. And I will six times. He will do six different things for me. Then I learn that there is more in the tithing for me than for God. When I return to God, it benefits me more than it benefits God. Because if I am faithful, he will be faithful to fulfill his promise. God has never failed to fulfill his promise. He said to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, when he had nothing, he was barefooted, hungry, and naked. He said, Jacob, if you will just make me your God and return unto me my faithful tithe. In fact, Jacob made that vow to God. He said, God, if you will do three things for me, I will do two things for you. The, the, Jacob says in verse, in chapter 32 of Genesis, Lord, in, in chapter 30, in chapter 28 and verse 22, he says, Lord, I will give my heart to you and make you my God. And I will return a tenth of everything you bless me with. If you will protect me and bring me back safely to my father's house. If you will give me food when I'm hungry. And you give me clothes when I'm naked. If you do these three things for me, I will do these two things for you. At that time... Jake, Jacob was penniless. He was only in his late teens, running away from home, running to a foreign land among people he never met before or never knew, with nothing, nothing, nothing. And when he was to return 21 years after, it is said that what Jacob returned with was enough to equal two armies, both in number, in quality, and quantity. In fact, he gave one gift to his brother from his blessings. And that one gift consisted of over 240 cows, over 250 goats, over 40 camels, over so many sheep. He One gift to one person. He was so wealthy, it is said that he became the wealthiest man in his homeland. A boy who started with nothing. Don't misunderstand me as I take my seat. I'm sorry I've been a few minutes over, but take this message away. We don't give to God in order for God to give to us. 
We don't return tithe so that God can bless us. If that's the motive, we will lose. God only requires tithe of those to whom he has already given his blessings. Tithe is a reaction to God's pre-action. Hallelujah. Amen. He does not expect an unemployed person to return one-tenth every month. From what? From what? A child, the little innocent children that were here listening to their story. You think God expects 10% of their income every month? No. Because they have not yet recognized or realized or experienced God's blessings to the point that they have from which to share or return. But to those God has given life, health, careers born out of their education, opportunities, jobs, salaries. He says, from those blessings, you recognize me as the source of your blessing if you return only 10% or one-tenth. And you keep nine-tenths or 90%. You know, God had the authority to say, give me 90 and you take 10. He could say that if he wanted to. But no, he's more into giving than receiving. So he says, take 90 and give me 10. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And even if man decides to stop collecting, as long as you continue to bless me, I'm going to respond. It is not between my brother and me. It is not between my conference and me. It's not between my union or my division or my general conference. Lord, it's between you and me. You bless me. I thank you. And I return to you. Full stop. Thank you, Lord. May you bless us that we can bless others in Jesus' name.